Hey, this is David Person with Alabama Politics This Week. You know, I do this uh, podcast with Josh Moon, and we need you to do us a favor. Can you please give us a rating on iTunes or Stitcher, Google Play, whatever it is you're using, whatever platform you're using, and also subscribe to the podcast. We need those numbers to continue going up so that Josh and I can start making some real money here. Welcome in, kids. It's uh, another week of uh, Alabama politics this week. How about that? And I'll set the name right up at the front so you don't have to guess what it is, even though you clicked on this and so you should know. But <laughs> that's where we are. I am Josh Moon. That is David Person. Yes, sir. We are, we're ready to roll here. Uh, things are upbeat. Things are opening up. Uh, we're uh, we're getting out and about. I'm going to all sorts of places uh, at restaurants. Uh, no masks on at all. Uh, really? I'm not just kidding. Yeah, I'm, say, I'm wow. completely kidding. Uh, um, you know, well, we haven't been anywhere. Um, mm-hmm. But, I, I, you know. I do have a question I'm going to pose uh, to you here in a, in a minute or two, but uh, okay. uh, you know we have uh, I guess the only real story at this point, uh, state news wise, is uh, the legislature and KIV, the Republicans in the legislature and KIV duking it out, yeah, duking man. it out publicly. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know they are they are not holding back. Uh, mm-hmm. Bill Bill Britt uh, with the uh, Alabama Political Reporter, which I happen to write for as well, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, so Bill's the boss and uh, he. Um, he had a, a nice long piece today about the uh, the back and forth and how Republicans there, led by Del Marsh, are kind of trying to smear Ivy. And uh, it's it's listen, you hate to see it. Well, so, <laughs> you and, don't and, really. You know. and, and this is yeah, I mean for 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 us on our side of the political yeah. aisle, this is this is wonderful news. Yeah. But but I have to say, you know, it's it's a little curious to me. So. Mm-hmm. This is all about the fact that they're concerned. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. but this is all about the fact that they're concerned about how she was planning to spend, you know, what, about a billion five? Uh, yeah, b- like billion that? eight. Billion eight. eight. Yeah. In, in federal dollars. I actually end up, it'll end up being a little more than two, two billion. Yeah. Yeah. So. so they're concerned about how she was going, how her plans for spending that money and their inability to control that process. Yes. That's it. That, well, on the surface, yes. Uh, you know, I, I think a lot of it was was built around their fear that she was going to use those funds. Uh, and a lot of people have this wrong. It's not for necessarily Medicaid expansion in the sense in which we have come to know it. Mm-hmm. It is under the CARES Act. You mm-hmm. can't, you are allowed uh, because there's limitations on CARES Act money. You can't just go and spend it on Medicaid expansion. You can't just put that up and say, hey, we're going to do this. I mean, there are budgetary ways around that, but uh, you what they they do allow specifically in there is to expand your Medicaid coverage to for treatment of people with COVID nineteen uh, mm. testing treatment mm-hmm. uh, you know all that so you could theoretically expand Medicaid to cover thousands more people in this state uh, under that and use that money to do that right. which. Call me crazy. Seems like a pretty decent idea, you know. Seems like it would be in the best interest of the people of the state. I know. I mean, let's just say it might be better than building a new state house. Yeah. 
which is one of the Republican ideas. Yeah, it's uh, one of their wet dreams. Yeah. Building a new state house. And where did that come from, by the way? Uh, it came from Del Marsh and some of the other people there. I mean, that, 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 that this seems is, to come out of the blue. I haven't heard. Oh, no. They've been, they've been kicking they've been it. Yeah, this, this, this state house is, is a temporary building. It was not, it actually wasn't supposed to be a state house. It was, a, it was commandeered several years back. It's, it's inadequate. There, okay. uh, there are some problems with uh, public access to it and, and uh, technology. It doesn't, you know, it's just, it's, it's basically like a dungeon in the bottom of the thing. You don't get cell service in half the place. You don't, you know, you, you have, so is there a need for a new state house? Maybe, uh, at the very least, I think you could, you could make a real strong argument that there is a need to improve the facilities in which our governmental body does its business. And so it would be more public friendly, uh, more open. Uh, that said, you should in no way use the money that's going to treat the people in a pandemic right. uh, to do that. You know, fix that. your business over here and right. stop relying on the federal government to give you all the money like they're your parents. And yeah, Especially since you're the party that's always complaining about how yeah. you don't want federal government interfering with what you're doing. You know, you're mm-hmm. almost trying to relitigate the Civil War. Yeah. yeah. You know, so then why 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 are you trying to siphon off this federal money? Oh, they're not trying. They're doing it. We're one of the yeah. biggest handout states in the, in America. Yeah. We're we're yeah. the biggest. Yeah. I think we're the third the third biggest welfare state in the country. That yeah. uh, when you turn when you the look ratio at of yeah, federal yeah, dollars, dollars going in, in and out. Right, yes. Yeah. Right. Uh, and so so mm-hmm. states like oh, California, the liberals, and New York, and and a lot of those other ones with mm-hmm. the liberal governors are paying in a crap ton of money uh over there yeah. and and we're using it we're yeah. using their money and and uh you know riding the backs of their good government so i wonder why we don't as as, as democrats and liberals and progressives and independents why do we not ex- hammer that home more i mm-hmm. mean that's because this is the height of hypocrisy well they don't care you know? I mean, that, listen, man, we're in a post-fact sort of world here. I don't know of yeah, any true. facts that, that that seem to get through until you can get past um, the the team mentality. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, and we'll we'll talk a little bit about that with uh, with John Meredith uh, yeah. coming up. Uh, yeah. You know, and uh, but until you get past the team mentality, until you get past the people who are going to go to the polls and they're going to vote for candidates based on what they think their friends are doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what they want to do to fit in, you know, you have these people. Yeah. I mean, I look, I, I got a lot of friends and I like them, but bless their hearts. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, you'll we'll have uh, there's a brother friend of mine. I have a conversation with uh, uh, nearly nightly about this stuff. And, and he is uh, receptive to what I say, mm-hmm. but he is immersed uh, almost not by his own choosing in the Republican sort of rhetoric of mm. things, the the conservative rhetoric of things that come across his Facebook page and this and that, and the things that, that, that they talk about and the things that the conversations that they have. And, and it's a, you know, and I have, I tell him consistently, man, that's, that's just not, that's just not right. Okay. That's, that's not what happened. This is what happened. And I mean, the idea of one of our, one of our most recent conversations is this idea that Trump has created this fantastic economy. You know, it's nonsense. I mean, look at the, the I, show me any chart. Okay. And I'll show you where this started in about 2010 mm-hmm. with Obama 
who, which, by the way, uh, Republicans rode a red wave uh, to uh, majorities in both the House mm-hmm. and the Senate because Obama didn't fix Bush's mistakes in two years mm-hmm. over there. And so it started about 2010 or so with the turnaround after all of the stimulus packages and the saving of the auto industry and all of these and manufacturing uh, right. uh, bills that came about. And so all of that started to turn things around, and it was the longest sustained period of growth in American history. All right. I mean, of, of jobs, private mm-hmm. sector jobs mm-hmm. in American history, the longest sustained period of growth, of course, was after World War II and when we had a 90 percent margin tax rate at the top. But, yeah, you know, nobody talks about that anymore uh, because kind of socialism. Yeah. You know. <laughs> but, you know, so here we are yeah. Uh, yeah. in the post fact world. And and the only joy we get is watching Republicans fight. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and they well, are fighting, man. They are. I mean, this is a legitimate. This is a legitimate beef back and forth yeah. uh, between Ivy and and Dale Marsh uh, specifically. Uh, they have gone back and forth several times. Uh, to me, it seems like Ivy has won this round, uh, even though you know Marsh is is trying to paint the picture of uh, of you know the public or conservatives wanting the legislature mm-hmm. to to spend the money. Which is well, that last statement that she released and which she sort of delineated what. <laughs> what the plans actually were but then basically said but you know what if you want this baby yeah you got it yeah take you it. take it yeah take that baby yeah. and run with it yeah uh but listen don't don't bring yeah. it back over here to me that's right and expect me to do this call that's you back right. into because she's got to call the special session now right and, right. and so, without, so when the baby when the baby takes a dump in the diaper yeah don't bring it back exactly. to me exactly yeah you, you better have a plan for cleaning that diaper change it yeah and it's so it's yeah. uh but it, it is funny man it's uh yeah. it's it's funny to watch and, and funny to get the the quotes and uh and all that but i know uh you have not been able to to pay attention to a whole lot of that this week because you have found yourself suddenly very busy yeah yeah um you know the uh the uh the, the iconic uh self-proclaimed and i agree with him architect of rock and roll little richard died mm-hmm. earlier this week and uh died on monday i believe it was and so, uh, because of family connections and 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 connections to uh, the alma mater that both he and I share, which is Oakwood University, I've been really keeping up with what's going on. And in fact, uh, Richard is going to be buried in Huntsville next week. That is, I had no idea about yeah. this, and I and I'm not sure uh, has that been reported really anywhere. It, yes, it's it been has. Report, yeah, local news, local news. Okay, is, is right. reporting it, and um, and I also know that uh, uh, some national news has reported but in Huntsville. Uh, I think I yeah. think they're starting to report it now. Yeah, or have started reporting it this week. So yeah, Richard is going to be buried yeah. on the Oakwood University campus. Hey, and uh, you know, you read back. Uh, I think a lot of people. Because he was so kind of flamboyant, and you know, mm-hmm. and you see the you know kind of over the top uh, way that he did things. I think a lot of people tend to dismiss his contributions, uh, and you should not. Yeah, uh, right. you you if you if you like, uh, you know, just go back and read uh, about about little Richard and and what he what he did, what he brought about, and why so many people say, listen, we wouldn't be able to do today what we do if not for him and what he brought about. Beatles, yeah, stones. Uh, so many others, mm-hmm. and you know you, and then you look at you know. As far as I'm concerned, you know I'm a I'm a I'm a 1970s funk guy, and you know I I see a straight line between Richard and people like Sly Stone mm-hmm. and Prince 
you know, uh, and Michael Jackson. Uh, I just don't think you'd have had some of the most amazing music of mm. our lifetime had it not been for not just the personality and the character that Richard right. portrayed, but but his fusion of of genres. I mean, the boogie woogie, mm. the the R and B, the gospel shout. Mm-hmm. You know, the 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 frenetic energy that you know crystallized into rock and roll. Mm-hmm. All of that you can really trace back to him. I'm not saying he's the only one. Right, right, right. But I think but I think he I think he makes a justifiable claim that when it comes down to the elements that really created rock and roll, mm-hmm. I think he's right. Yeah. Uh, I does, think he was right. Where, where does uh where does the other king of, of rock and roll uh, fit in there? Uh, Elvis Presley. Elvis Presley. Yeah. You know, um, I got to tell you, I have evolved on Elvis through the years. I, I, I used to be dismissive of him. You mm-hmm. know, Public Enemy, the, the, the hip-hop group that I'm a big fan of, they they used to, they had a song where the line said, uh, said Elvis, he was a racist, simple and plain, F him and John Wayne. Mm-hmm. You know, and I used to subscribe to that point of view, but, but the more that I have listened to Elvis, uh, you know, in recent years mm-hmm. that I've heard him, and the more I've learned about how he actually, like the Beatles and others, respected mm-hmm. the roots of rock and roll, I would say that Elvis Elvis played an important role. He played the same role to some degree that Pat Boone and some others did. Mm-hmm. They made it. They made the raw rock that Richard and Chuck Berry and some others were creating. They made it more palatable, yeah. You know, and they helped it to really develop a foundation in the white mainstream, mm-hmm. which which ultimately benefited Richard and Chuck Berry and these right. other guys. So you're saying they're they're kind of like the Domino's Pizza of pizza. Uh, <laughs> is that what you're saying? You know what? I had never thought about it like that, but yes. <laughs> We boil things down for you. Yeah, right? there you go. There yeah. you go. That's, that's why they yeah. pay you the big bucks oh. right columns, man. That's what it's all about. Yeah, that's that's uh, what it's all about. That's, that's, uh, that's right. That's that's what my wife says all the time. <laughs> <laughs> that's why they pay you the big dollars, I guess. Huh? <laughs> all right. So, all right. I, so I have a I have a personal dilemma. Okay. All right. So. Because listen, there, there's really no other news out here. So this is this this is the show. Uh, but all right. So. We have lifted most of the stay-at-home restrictions here mm. in this state. Okay, so now restaurants are mainly open at fifty percent, uh, and and other places are open now. I, I'm not going to the gym. You know, I used to, you know, I, I go to the gym pretty much every day prior to this, and mm. you know, do the you know, treadmills or the elliptical or whatever. And uh, but there is one place that I really, really want to go. And that is to a Mexican restaurant. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so I have talked myself into, uh-huh. I think it's fine. Uh, <laughs> and my justification of this, uh-huh. let me lay all my cards on the table. Uh-huh. Let me, let me lay out my case. Okay. My justification to the, uh, of this is I am going to pick up. If I went, if I told you I was going to pick up my meal at a Mexican restaurant, you would say, Oh, that's great. Supporting a local restaurant, you know? And so I there if that's the case, then I can't see how we're saying that there's any issue whatsoever with the food. Mm-hmm. Correct. All right. So if there's no issue with the food and the wait staff is are, are wearing masks, mm-hmm. 
and we're we're in the you know we're we're keeping this the, the separation of the tables and everything. Why should I not go? I don't disagree with you. I actually don't disagree. Really? With you. Yeah, I don't disagree with I was you. Now, some pushback. All right, that's no, the end of the segment. We're out. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't disagree with you. I, I think. Um, I think as long as, and this is this is my position, you know, as well, basically, mm-hmm. and that is that as long, I'm not going to any public gatherings unless I know for sure mm-hmm. that protocols are being followed that are designed to keep us safe. Right. And as long as I'm assured assured of that and trust that, mm-hmm. I don't know what the difference is. I agree with you. Yeah, I just and and here I, I got another thing here too. Mm-hmm. Okay, that, that uh, it's been that's been really bothering me uh, for for a while about this whole thing. And, and I, I'm I know where we're at. And I know what we're what we're having to do. And I and and I think uh, you know a lot of people have have heard my opinions and I, I guess I fall way more towards the middle on this than mm-hmm. than most people uh in in the Democratic Party about you know restrictions and when they should come off and what we should do and all that. And so but what what troubles me is is that there's no plan from the other side of this thing. All the people who have the reopen things or whatever, you know, they, they, they well, we need to reopen and we need to do this and we need to do that. And then these other people that say oh it's unsafe but they don't see anything. They're, they're, there's no plan. You can't stay shut down for 18 months, okay? You can't until there's until there is a a vaccine available for everybody. All right. So what's the plan? What's I mean? What you know? And that that's, that's bothered me for a long time now. What are we supposed to do? I mean, we're just going to stay in the house and watch Disney Plus for the next 18 months, yeah. you know? Yeah. And and we can't. It, people are opening back up, and you've lost jobs, and you've lost all this stuff. So. What what is acceptable? What can we do? What 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 do you want people to do? I, and I understand wearing masks and and, all, and 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 that sort of thing. But at a point, you've got to uh, to me, you have to stop screaming about people keeping things shut down, mm-hmm. and say, okay, we know we understand we're going to have to open this back up. So here's what we want you to do. Here's what's going to make us feel safe to get back out in the world. Um, you know, and and the other issue I have, and then after this, I'll shut up and and then let you talk. Uh, but uh, is I would like to hear from some doctors about what happens in you know if we all get this in a in a short period of time you know or or at this point since they say the hospitals can accommodate everybody uh, if if we just start living our lives again now and there's not going to be a run on the hospitals what is the danger to the the overall society. You know, I, I would like to for somebody to put that into some perspective for me. Yeah, so I would say, uh, you know, first of all, I think you're right. We can't stay locked up indefinitely. We don't need to have that mindset, but we certainly need to have a mindset that says, you know, uh, this is this is what it means to live in a post COVID nineteen mm-hmm. society in terms of public protocol. And I just and, and public etiquette, mm-hmm. and we cover some of that, but I don't think it's very explicit. Meaning, I think there ought to be it. it they ought to be uh, making it law or or regulatory uh, or mandatory, I should say, that restaurants and other public places have to practice certain sanitation protocols. Right. Have to. Yes, I agree. And, and 100%. need to post that. It needs to be. These are the practices mm-hmm. we follow. Yes, you know? and it ought to be on that sheet. When, yeah. You know, the, the sheet that posts your number, the health score. Yeah, over there. that's you right. Know, if you don't do that, then that's you get right. knocked five to ten points that's or right. whatever. 
That's right. Or we'll shut you down yes. or whatever it is. So, um, and, and so my, my thing is, I think you're right that, you know, many of us have been saying, well, let's just, you know, don't, don't rush out there too early to stay shut down. For me, I've been saying that I'm in that group, but the reason I've been saying it is because I don't see the protocols and the etiquettes being promoted. Now, Disney, and I think I mentioned this on a previous episode, Disney has put out some protocols. Uh Uh-huh. I saw that, and and so when I saw that, I'm like, that's what that's what everybody churches, restaurants, yeah. stadiums, whatever. That's yes. what needs to be done. Now, I so will, people are getting shot, by the way, for their their protocols. But you know, well, you know, nuts. Okay. But you can't you can't do anything about the nuts. You know, can't let well, them rule the world. No, you can't let nuts rule the world. We can't give in to the terrorists. <laughs> Although anymore. we're trying, it seems. Well, that's because we got a nut that's yeah. running one of the. <laughs> running the country. Yes. Uh but I think yeah, so we I'm with you on all of that. I think I think we've got to look forward to a post-COVID-19 future that gives us a way to continue to be you know, because I mean, and, and this is my final thought. Mm-hmm. Part of being human is being communal. Yes. Yes. And so we've got to figure out how do we how are we able to maintain that human desire and trait that is innate in us mm-hmm. in this in this new reality? Now, let's also uh, I'm going to also throw in a horrible wrinkle here, John. Okay, you know that they found it in semen. Oh, and so they're so now they're beginning to you know they're saying it's not a given that that means that it is sexually transmitted. But it certainly gives you the, the you know, they, they're starting to really, researchers are starting to really look at that. Hmm. You know, I've read some articles about it, and and uh, it's concerning, because if this thing is sexually transmitted, hmm. then that gives us a whole new level of concern. Well, not in Alabama. We do such a tremendous job of sexually transmitted diseases here. Uh, <laughs> We're we're number one. In, <laughs> With a bullet? Uh, well, we're number one in, in not handling them well uh, <laughs> here in the Bible Belt. Uh, no, it, it, you know it, that is a concern. But you know, I, I, what made me really what, what really kind of drove things home for me today was uh, Dr. Rick Bright, who is uh, mm. like uh, somebody else in this room, a, uh, a graduate of Auburn University, Montgomery, mm. uh, and. Um, he testified before Congress. You know, he is the whistleblower who mm-hmm. Trump has described as disgruntled, but he's also a scientist and, and knows what the hell he's talking about. Mm-hmm. So, you know, consider the two sources there. But, um, you know, he, he said that the the idea of a vaccine in 12 to 18 months is really, really hopeful. Uh, that That's if everything goes perfectly. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I think maybe that's a little pessimistic because while that's that's true technically, mm. what he's saying, I also think you know, I've read a bunch of things from not not trying to you know be all sunshiny and happy with stuff, but you know, science uh, authors that write a, a lot of stuff on, on science and medicine and stuff, and they say what's taking place right now is really sort of an unprecedented push mm. to get a vaccine, mm-hmm. and so there are a lot of resources. Pfizer, as a matter of fact, has has pushed so many things overseas now, so they can focus on the manufacturing and, and production of a vaccine. Uh, so there, there's just kind of unprecedented resources going into this, so I think that does speed it up, maybe, uh, and, and so 12 to 18 months may be correct, but let's say uh, you know, let's say it's 16 months from now. I mean, you can't do what we're doing for, no, no, or, you know, or what we've been doing. Yeah, and 
at, and this is what my biggest problem has been with the Trump administration and with the, with the people of Alabama as well is all right, there were there were not it wasn't just when we when we shut everything down it wasn't just to let the hospitals uh, make sure they didn't have a run on the hospitals and they could handle the the, the run. It was also to allow states to get enough PPEs, get enough equipment, to get enough testing and tracing mm-hmm. capabilities. Mm-hmm. We're not close. No, we're not. We're not no, close we're not. to anything. No, we're not. And so you better hope that the sunlight inside the body really does cure it because <laughs> we got nothing else, buddy. You better lay out in the damn sun for the next six months. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I, well, maybe visit Alabama because apparently sunlight and humidity is a, a real problem for this virus. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. that is. Mm. I don't know, man. I don't know. I just think that uh, where we are and, and where we're headed is, uh, you know, we, we we need to we need to plan a little yeah, bit better. Absolutely, and, uh, absolutely. But all right. So on that sunshiny happy note, uh, I'll be having Mexican tonight. Hope y'all enjoy. Extra on the jalapenos, man. That'll that'll help. You think so? Oh yeah, jalapenos and onions. I'm man. not a big jalapeno fan. Oh, oh well. Yeah. But I do like the salsa. salsa. Ah, all right. <laughs> All right, we'll be uh, back. Oh, with uh, with uh, John Mary yeah. uh, in just a moment. Welcome back to Alabama Politics This Week. David Person and Josh Moon with you. And uh, we have with us uh, a man whose last name is probably more famous than his first name because of his father. His father is James Meredith, who integrated the University of Mississippi many, many years ago uh, during the Civil Rights era. And uh, John Meredith... The son of James Meredith is with us today. He has been identified as one of the most influential black Republicans in the country, but now he's a defector. He's left the Republican <laughs> Party. John, what's going on, man? Uh, well, it's 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 the modern world. It's it's Trump cultism. It's. Um, it's 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 been an interesting ride as uh, more than one person has pointed out to me uh, all of whom uh have ties back to uh my father's hometown of Kosciuszko Mississippi which is uh, in Atala County uh have have pointed out since reading my article that they believe their the Meredith family has been part of the Republican Party since reconstruction so, you know, it, it, it wasn't a move that was taken lightly. It, it's a move that just it, it conforms to today's reality. And that is that this party uh, no longer values anything that I value. Um, we are at loggerheads and I just couldn't continue to say that I was part of a party that at every turn uh, will not allow me to to live by the very principles they recruited me on. So it, it was definitely time to, to part ways. Uh, given uh, the COVID response and the, the frank uh, 
frankly, the, the, the dismissal of the value or quality of, of someone else's life. John, let me jump in and uh, let me set some things up for you here. Um, now, first, let me start by saying for those who, um, who, who don't know, not only do you have this sort of Republican pedigree through your dad and your ancestors, but you really made a name for yourself. I mean, as a lobbyist and and as a Republican activist, I mean, you've been pretty out front with the party. And yet, over the years, I've seen you slowly, even before COVID, actually, really, I guess it really started with Trump. I've seen you slowly recede. In fact, your wife, Tina, used to joke with me when she'd see me, when are you going to pull him over out of the darkness and into the light? So <laughs> that's what Tina used to say. So I'm sure Tina's pretty happy right now. Um, but uh, but but in all seriousness, this is something that that is this is the culmination. And that's the point I'm trying to make. I think of 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 actions and and so forth by the party. Is would you agree with that? I would totally agree with that. Um, it, it really dates back to the formation of the Tea Party. Um, I think. My my ability to to do good work within the party structure started to fade uh, or, or to become more difficult, I'll say, with the election of Barack Obama. Um, at that point, um, I worked with Republicans in uh, George W. Bush administration. Um, I mean, you know, Andy Card level uh, uh, folks on comprehensive immigration reform. Uh, I actually helped write the H-2B and H-2A components of both bills that were ultimate, the both of the last two copies that were actually passed in either house. Um, So I know who the players were, and a lot of them were Republicans. Um, George Bush was very, very um, appreciative of the contributions that Hispanics Americans have made to this country and was on the verge of doing a lot for them prior to 9-11 and then the, the implosion, if you will, of the Republican Party against anything immigrant. Um, part of my effectiveness has always been uh, left-right coalitions. Um, I was part of those uh, H-2A and H-2B negotiations because I worked with Democrats and we came out with complete industry unity around what the solution to those problems were. Um, I, the only thing I ever worked through Congress that wasn't part of a bipartisan uh, effort were um, municipal appropriation bills. And so what I'm hearing you say, John, is that bipartisanship has been your, you know, your, your North Star, and under this Republican Party, that hasn't been possible But I guess what I really would like to know is, before I kick it over to Josh here, is this. You write this column. It gets shared, what, over, I think, over 3,000 shares on Facebook from from what I saw. I believe that's right. And I would have to imagine that that this is... Because of your profile as an AL.com columnist, as a longtime Republican activist, that this has really shaken the Republican Party in the state of Alabama. 
Is that true? I I really don't think it has. I think, um, frankly, it's it's the party and the party pressure and the party uh, um, um, threats, frankly, um, that pretty much forced my hand. Um, so the party is responsible for my not being associated with the party any longer. And frankly, I haven't heard a peep from any party people. Um, but I'm not surprised by that because the party and I didn't reflect the same value structure. Now, who I have heard from, and frankly, uh, uh, an avalanche of support, are from people who are self-identifying as former Republicans. So um, there are a lot of people that, um, frankly, uh, ascribe to prior Republican or we'll just call them conservative values who haven't had a home, who've been afraid to speak up and, or speak against what they're seeing uh, Donald Trump do to this country. And I think they are, 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 are warmed by the fact that I have finally exposed some of those, those truths that they have been uh, living with and that have run them out of the party they once loved. Um, so I think, you know, uh, I frankly heard more negatives from Democrats that want, that, that don't want me to have, uh, a nonpartisan stance and want immediate, immediately to leave one tribe and jump into another one. Um, but that's a, a small number of the, uh, of, of emails and phone calls and texts that I've received in response to, uh, my column. Well, first of all, let me just say, John, that that uh, we would welcome you in uh, at any point. Uh, you know, welcome to the to the good side, to the good guys uh, team. Uh, but uh, uh, you know, if you'd like to hang out in the middle, that, that's perfectly fine too. Because uh, I think that that most people, like myself, are in this day and time putting a premium on sanity and common sense, yeah. and it seems to be in short supply. And, and, and to that end, I wanted to read just a, a little section of of the column that you did write, uh, which was uh, entitled "I'm Giving Up on the." GOP. Uh, and here's a portion of it. It said, uh, you know, this column reflects the realization that today's Republican Party is beyond saving. The only humane option left is to euthanize the GOP for the good of truth, justice, and the American way. Toward that end, I will no longer be associated in any way with a party that turns a blind eye to truth, a party that defends the killing of unarmed black men, first by police and now proud boy vigilantes, a party that forces Hispanics, those not rounded up and caged indefinitely at our southern border, to work in disease-ridden meat packaging plants without adequate PPE where they are contracting and dying from coronavirus at astronomical rates. The GOP claims to be fiscally responsible but routinely manages to turn Democratic surpluses into GOP deficits through unnecessary and unjustifiable tax cuts, government shutdowns, taxpayer bailouts to multinational corporations, and documented corporations within the current administration at a level never seen before in American history. Now, that sounds like something I would have written. Uh, just to, <laughs> to <be laughs> I, and I guess this is this has always been my. Uh, I I can understand and appreciate the differences uh, that that we have uh, in, in you know when it comes to politics and and in life in general. Uh, and I understand the the balance and the way that that balance has benefited the country uh, for you know the, the entire history of this place. And but I. I think what has troubled me more about Trump, and I'm going to see if it, if it does you, because it sounds like it does, is that we seem to have lost the ability to criticize our own people. 
uh, and to call out the people who are on our team quote unquote. Uh, and if you do that, you're a traitor. If you, if you say you're not going to vote for these people because they don't hold your values, then you're a traitor to the team and, and you're no longer part of it. And, and I think it has created this atmosphere where people want to do what is expected of them instead of what's right. You know, I would totally agree with that. That's, and that's part of the problem. Um, uh, it, it used to be, and Martin Luther King is known for saying this, that you pick people by the content of their character. Mm-hmm. Now on election day, the only thing that matters is what letter is behind the person's name. Is it a D or an R? Mm-hmm. You're voting. I don't mean you personally, but uh, the majority of, 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 of people voting vote a straight party ticket in this straight this state. So it doesn't matter who the person is, if they've got an R or a D by the name, that person is voting for them. Well, that's how you wind up with a Mo Brooks. You know, it's just <laughs> not the way to operate. You go down the list if you don't know anything about them. I would suggest don't vote for that person, but flip a coin, do something. I mean, just don't vote a straight party ticket. So, uh, each candidate is supposed to earn your vote not get it just because they're an R or a D. Right. Yeah. And I guess I would probably be be remiss if I did not uh, ask you, because I think a lot of people, you know, I think a lot of uh, Democratic-leaning folks will listen to this podcast. And so I think that the, one of the first questions that they would have for you is, is, is what took so long? Uh, you know, why, why, what, what attracted you to the Republican Party, uh, and particularly given, given your history and the party's history uh, here? What, what attracted you to, to that party to, to begin with? Well, um, part of it's the family history. Um, uh, during the majority of Jim Crow and all of the Reconstruction era, um, Republicans that ran for office in Itala County, Mississippi, did not threaten or terrorize uh, the black people of Atala County. Uh, they actually campaigned. They knocked on doors in those neighborhoods and, and asked for black people to vote for them. So it was a different experience in Atala County, Mississippi, than for a lot of other places. Now, you, you factor that in with, it was a Democrat that refused to let my father into Ole Miss. It was a Democrat that shot my father when he was walking uh, for the right to vote. So, I mean, I, they're, they're, they're existential factors for me mm-hmm. uh, to have, have really tried to hold on to, to the Republican Party that I knew, uh, that I developed and, 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 and love my conservative principles. You know, I, I still believe in them, even though the party doesn't seem to. I, I believe in those things. Um, and that was the hardest part for me. And what, frankly, I was trying to do was hope that Trump was a one-termer. He'd be out. The party would come to his senses, and we'd be able to to, to at least start to rebuild. Um, but at this point, uh, the party, the, those left in the party, are truly Kool-Aid drinkers. They, have, they, they surround themselves and they indulge with uh, um, Fox News and the right-wing propagation and, and of propaganda, um, where one source quotes the other source as proof that this is actually true. <laughs> and it's just, it's crazy. They, have, they live by a complete 
alternative universe that that not only doesn't um, allow truth in, fights against truth getting into the discussion. So it's it just became, frankly, you know, glaringly obvious that um, this Republican Party wasn't for me. Let me qualify that to say okay. that I think there are still some good people in the party, that there okay. are still some good people that are elected to office in that party. Hmm. I think at, at the Huntsville level, we know who they are. And none come better than Judge Frank Barger and what okay. he's done for mental health, what he's done for adoptions, whether mm-hmm. that person was black, white, Asian, mm-hmm. gay, Latino, mm-hmm. does mm-hmm. not matter. That man is serving his community. Okay. Good All man. Right. And there All are right. several others. I think Andy okay. is, is awesome. And I can go down a line, yeah. but yeah. there's some good people out there that will always right. listen to the other side. And when you make your argument, they'll incorporate it. So, you know, you talk about the Republican Party of old and, and, you know, my dad, I think I've told you my dad was a card carrying Republican, uh, but uh, he was a race man. You know, he put being black first. So that was second, you know, party politics was second to him. And that dictated a lot of his choices as it related to to whom he voted for, whom he voted, as well as, uh, you know, what policies he backed and so forth. And and I'm assuming, John, that, you know, from our conversations, you're the same way. Would you describe yourself the same way? Absolutely. Um, you know, even before the Tea Party and Trump, I would always vote for the, the person that made the most sense that 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 um, address my issues. I I grew up with the League of Women Voters and watching their debates with my mother and my father. And I remember getting the, the their voter guide in the mail and, and, you know, sitting with mom and dad during the debates and going down and see what they voted on various issues and what their overall ratings and scores were. So it was about issues uh, for us as well. All right. So let me ask you this, because my my dad, um, who probably was more or less the same age as your dad is, um, had a real problem with white bigotry. Real problem with it. Um, and and I think that for many of us in the black community, for at least, indisputably for at least 30 years, going back to, well, I say 30 years, going back to Reagan, and Reagan kicking off his campaign in Philadelphia, Mississippi, the 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 area where 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 Michael Schwerner and James Cheney and Andy Goodman were killed back in '65, I think it was '64, '65, something like that. The three civil rights workers. Going back to that time to now, for sure, we saw the we saw the Republican Party as a party that was comfortable with racism and bigotry. So that goes back 40 years. So to follow up on Josh's question, how have you been able to be comfortable in a party whose primary motives and symbols when it came to black people always seem to be coming from a racist point of view? Because... I didn't always see that. Um, and I think even once I did see that, there has, all, well, up until Obama became president, 
there were always people within the Republican Party, and frankly, even some like Trent Lott, who who recruited and 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 really went after that vote, but would do very good things for the black community. Uh, I know I worked with, of all people, um, Catherine Harris from Florida. Um, and a lot uh, on a banking uh, issue for minority home ownership. Um, and we were able to get a lot of people, probably a little bit over a million people, black people um, with first-time home loans that previously would not have qualified for it. And, and I mean real solid loans, none of the um, no interest or low term or whatever sure. those mortgages were Substandard, that got people into trouble. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we were not part of that. We predated that mm-hmm. um, and got a lot of folks, and I'm sure some folks here in Huntsville uh, got folks based on laws that was created by her. Um, and frankly, frankly, by being bipartisan, I was actually able to uh, utilize friendships with Democrats to roll Republican chairman that stood in the way of certain things. For instance, uh, James Talent uh, was uh, chairman of the Small Business Committee. He wanted to uh, agree with a presidential uh, budget that zeroed out um, um, 7A loans for minorities. Um, and with the help of Native Alaskas, we actually rolled Jim Talent got it out of committee on the floor and, and it got it got funded at, at the normal uh, 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 previous year's uh, levels. So, okay. um, but it took Republicans to work with Nydia to come up with the votes to override the Republican chairman. So there've always been Republicans within the party who were willing to go the extra mile and do what they needed to do to ensure that minorities had, you know, uh, good policies enacted on their behalf. Obviously, there, there's, there's a lot of bad policy that was enacted as well. Both parties are, are guilty of that. But. Well, but, it, but, but, but let's put a pin on that because that's, that's an important point. Okay, so I would argue that you're right, that both parties have been responsible for policies and legislation that have been detrimental uh, to the black community, some would even argue that have targeted the black community. If you want to know as a Democrat what I'm talking about, the 19, was it what, 1993 crime bill, mm-hmm. I think it was. I mean, I would cite that as an example. Uh, I would cite welfare reform under Bill Clinton as another example. Okay. But, but here's the difference. The tone and the rhetoric that we saw coming from Republican candidates, the overt uh, racist bent of campaign ads, Willie Horton, for example, we never saw that coming from Democrats. So even if I didn't always agree with the policies, I never felt like, and I think this is typical of many black people over the past 40 years, we never felt like we didn't have a home. We never felt like we weren't welcome. We never felt like we were explicitly, overtly under attack by Democrats. But with Republicans, because of the tone and the rhetoric and the antagonism to things like affirmative action, we absolutely felt that. 
Do you see what I'm saying? Oh, I, I absolutely do. And, and you are correct. Um, I, you know, I, I, I'm not going to try to, uh, dispute that. I, I think you're absolutely right. Um, I tried to call it out, um, been calling it out for years. Uh, you know, it, not just, uh, the current, uh, crop of, of, um, uh, candidates, but, uh, when Kay Ivey did her monument, uh, thing, I called that one out. Um, you know, I call it out when I see it. That's what I could do as, as having identified with the party. Uh, one of my other, I guess, things unique to me is I've actually never been a, quote, member of the party at, at any level. I mean, I, I was never in a uh, executive committee or council. I've never run for office as, as, as a branded candidate. Um, so, you know, I was in, was a Republican-leaning voter, but I had no formal ties to the party ever. Um, so, I mean, um, there's only so much that I could do as a, as a voter, but you are absolutely right. Um, they have run uh, to that, that audience. Um, and how, how do I explain my putting up with it was I called it out uh, when I encountered it. Um, and at this point, I'm done calling it out and I'm leaving. So now I don't have to call it out because everyone can see it. We can we can berate you all day long about, you know, about this and about what took so long and all that. But at a point, the party, um, the party made a decision, I think, and maybe it wasn't a conscious decision to go a certain direction. And, and I know you brought up a couple of different times of the, the election of, of Barack Obama. But I think you know, maybe even a little bit before that, I think the election of Barack Obama gave a lot of people excuses to do what they wanted to do anyway. Um, but. Uh, you know, I think there was an opportunity because I have heard from uh, from a lot of, of black voters, especially in this state, of of how close they are to being Republican voters uh, based on social issues and some other and, and, and you know fiscal issues as well. But you know, there are always a certain number of things that kind of uh, that go the opposite direction, and it seemed as though the Republican Party at a point had an opportunity to embrace those voters uh, to go after that. And instead of that, they consciously or unconsciously, subconsciously went the other way uh, and, and embraced the, the, the bigots and the, and the right wing crazies uh, and, and have just gone really off the rails uh, here under the Trump administration. And, and I'm wondering, could you, could you see that happening? And, and was it, was it kind of disappointing to you to watch? Yes. Uh, to both questions. Uh, it actually started with gay marriage. If you remember the Republicans got with uh, the black preachers mm -hmm. and they tied Bush's reelection to the gay marriage issue. Mm -hmm. And they went around Republicans and the black preachers and they talked about uh, how bad gay marriage was and what it would do to the community. And they got, they mobilized the black vote uh, to benefit the Republican party. After that, uh, Obama came into power. He rose up and the Tea Party set in. 
They use fiscal responsibility. That was the mantra of the Tea Party was they were fiscal. They were going to be fiscally responsible at a time when um, there was runaway tax and spend Democrats out there. And they utilize that criteria, but they 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 identified all of their negative issues, all of the problems with America at the time that would lead up to a black man being uh, elected president as the breaking point. Mm. And you could see it not just politically, but you could see it as a lobbyist. My white clients started, started bailing. They did not want to have a black face as their lead lobbyist in Washington in Republican circles anymore. Hmm. They were not going to let a black guy tell them how to run their operation. Hmm. You know, it was everywhere. It permeated everywhere. And even in the metro system um, of, of, of D.C., you could tell white people were allowed to use the public facilities, but not black people anymore. And these were mm-hmm. mostly black workers enforcing this. So mm-hmm. you could tell it was all over the place, just what the GOP was going after. And it's only gotten worse up to now to where they have actually elected a, arguably a white supremacist, but certainly an admitted nationalist um, mm-hmm. in the White House. And, you know, the, the true measure, the true test now for the Republican Party is what happens after Trump? Do they continue down the road of white supremacy or do they accept that the rule is over? Demographics alone are going to stop you from being the, the white majority country that you so desperately want. It's not going to happen. It is not happening. Demographics are, are telling everybody just like the coronavirus is dictating to Donald Trump. No, you can't lie your way out of me. Mm-hmm. Demographics are going to pin back Republican or white supremacist hatred of other races and in and, and, and the gay community as well, to the point where they're going to be irrelevant. And mm-hmm. they're going to have to live with the things that they're doing now in their desperation to maintain power potentially being used on them once they are in the minority. I got to say, when I read the column, I was so, I mean, your columns are, are always great. I mean, I, 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 I applaud Josh all the time for his column writing. I think you and Josh have been the two most important columnists in the state of Alabama over the past you know, a few years, if if not longer. Uh, you've been right on point with everything you've said, writing from different perspectives, but coming closer together, almost kind of like MLK and Malcolm X. I don't know who was Malcolm and who was MLK, but but you guys were slowly, slowly coming closer together. And now you're we're, you're meeting here at this at this, I think, this beautiful juncture that we call the middle. And I want to thank you, John, for um, for being courageous. I've watched you your courageous stand and evolution. In fact, the last time you and I were on TV together, you said something that was so powerful. I thought, well, wow, I whispered to you, man, that was courageous. And I was thinking to myself, and that's probably the end of the Republican Party with John Meredith. <laughs> <You know? laughs> 
So, I remember that. I remember yeah. that very well. So, John, I want to thank you for joining us here on Alabama Politics this week. Keep doing what you're doing. And maybe between you and Josh, we can turn this state around, man. Sounds great. Thank you so much for those kind words. And it's nice to finally uh, interact with uh, you, Mr. Moon. Uh, you as well, Mr. Meredith. I, we really do appreciate you coming on and, and spending some time. It's a really, really great interview. My pleasure. Take care. Thank All you. right. Take care. That was uh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. John is a great guy, man. He's um, He has been, I think, amazingly razor sharp in his assessment of the decline of the Republican Party uh, in the Trump era. Yeah. It's, just been, it's been always a pleasure to read his the way he dissects him. Yeah, and it, it's uh, you know, I think you're right. He speaks for a for a lot of of Republicans who are are kind of fed up and, and annoyed by this. And I think there are a lot more of them than who will admit it. Uh, yeah. And and yeah. and you know that that's a problem in and of itself of people mm-hmm. who see a problem but are too beholden either to the system or to their benefits of the system uh, to to take a stand. And uh, but you know, I, it's a it's a mess. And I um I think that a lot of people are right that this this thing won't recover for a long long time after after this right here so yeah hope you enjoy democratic rule because you're about to get it uh, for a while all right let's slide out uh then we'll come back and uh wrap this baby up uh right wing nut of the week won't be john meredith i know that so (laughs) All all right back in a minute Welcome back, Alabama politics this week. That was a uh, that was good uh, good talk with uh, Mr. Meredith. There. He is he is one of my favorite guys. I'm actually going to miss not being able to say to people, "He's my favorite Republican." <laughs> and I have to say, "He's my favorite nonpartisan uh, moderate." Uh, he's a Democrat. I don't care what he says. <laughs> he can say what he wants to. Once you once you turn your back, it's it. You yeah. walk to the other side. He's, yeah. I mean, it's you know what. I, I didn't want to, you know, just just hammer him on on things about you know what took him so long to to get over there. But I, it just is a uh, it's it's such an awful history, man, yeah. of 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 the way that the party has treated you know black Americans and really any minority. Uh, you know, at this point, they've used them as, as kind of scapegoats to get mm-hmm. votes uh, right. from from people and use them as boogeyman and you know right. the, the welfare queen stories of Reagan and uh, mm-hmm. you know and all and it just. It's been a it's been a tactic, you yeah. know, and, uh, and, and they and, haven't they haven't been ashamed of it. No. I mean, they pursued it, you know, election after election. Yeah, we're trying to kill the post office right now to make sure that that black people don't can't mail in their votes, yeah. you know, and yeah, that's, that's right. really because right. if you yeah. if you make it easy and more people vote, they're mm-hmm. done. They're yeah. done faster than they're going to be done, that's you know. Right. Right. Uh, and they know that, and everybody knows that. That's been the whole crux of this whole thing. It hasn't been about stealing anybody's votes or anything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the stuff with, with voter ID was uh, always a solution in search of a problem. There was never a yeah. problem with that. Yeah. Uh, and so it was. It's always been this fake idea. News. It's fake news. Yeah. Well, it's it's, it's been a. a a suppression yeah. issue. That's always been their Absolutely. tactic to Absolutely. stay in to yeah. stay in control. They they had to suppress votes uh, and and keep turnout low and uh, and so you know and when man when they started uh, you know I'll, I'll say this um, 
uh, you know, and I know that um, John Merrill, we've we've called him our right wing nut of the week and everything else. But when they were pushing uh, to uh, you know, overturn the the felons' right to vote uh, stuff in the, in this state, and at the time when we first started discussing it, uh, he wanted to uh, just a blanket. Uh, just let them back. You know, if they if they don't if they don't meet the moral turpitude clause of this, mm. uh, let's let them back in. And let them vote. You know, mm. and and then of course a lot of other things got built into that about you know restitution and all these things. And uh, so you know, but so you know, because you can't let you can't just let the black people vote. You know, no they, man, they do that. They elect people that you know might represent them appropriately. That's right. And that's God right. forbid, can't have that. No, no. That's that's always that's the other things always amaze me is uh, as people when you say, well, it, you should have more. You know, black representation. Well, I thought it was the content of the character that was. They're like, well, if, if that's the case, then what the hell aren't you voting for him? Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, if that's the case, why why are we having this issue? Why are you why are you drawing lines based on race? You mm. know, why are you doing all that? Mm. And, and of course, that's you know the answer. Everybody knows the answer yeah. at this point. And, you know. Uh, oh, speaking of right wing nut of the week. It's going to be a good one this week. And I, I suspect that this guy will probably be our right-wing note of the week a few times. I think he's our right-wing note of the week every week. Yeah, well, he's he's definitely. Really every there. day. If we yeah. could do it every day, he would be our right-wing note of the week. Yeah. Day. Yeah. Yeah, he, he, he could be. I mean, Mo Brooks would give him a good run. Uh, yeah, but I, yeah, Mo would give him a good run. But I think, I think this guy is, is really. Yeah, because Mo is crazy. I mean, like legitimately nuts. You think about he's the, legitimate? Oh, I think so. Yeah, I think 100% he's nuts. I think he he has, at some point, uh, the, the cheese fell off his cracker uh, mm. there completely. And he just went over the edge. And it is, uh, I mean, listen, you should read some of the things that he says. Because uh, we have... Uh, we have our own right wing guy that, that that they talk to all the time, and Brandon Mosley that you know transcribes mm-hmm. basically whatever they say, and we we print it mm-hmm. because I mean you know that's what they say with fairness, whatever. Yeah. Uh, they, you, know, you let me talk, you got to let them talk too. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, some of that crap that Mo says, man, I mean it is straight up. If if a regular person walked in and and you, you know a, a, like your uncle walked in and started saying some of that stuff, you'd be like, man. Have you been drinking? I have. I have heard Mo <clears throat> say. That, I mean, Mo is. I used to do a local radio show. Mm-hmm. Mo came on my show and said some things that uh, led to us having a very heated discussion mm-hmm. on my radio show. And my producer at the time just checked out. He just. I'd never seen him do this before, Josh. He just completely shut down and started doing other things. He wasn't even producing the show. He was so, I gotta listen to this. He was so angry. He was like, and I asked him about it later. He was just like, man, I, I knew that if I didn't just do that, I was going to say something that we all were going to regret. So I understand what you're saying on that point. Now, I also have to say, in fairness, uh, I have played basketball with Mobra mm-hmm. years ago. Years ago. And uh, had a great time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have uh, been in meetings with Mo, where he has been the epitome of of uh, not only decency mm-hmm. but of uh, sense, you know, rationality. Mm-hmm. So it it just it I don't really know what to make of the Mo Brooks who says 
things that I believe are racist and, and not just racist, but, um, you know, as you're saying, sort of borderline insane. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what to make of that when I juxtapose it with the Mo Brooks that I've played basketball with and that I've, mm-hmm. and that I've, you know, seen in settings where he's been the, the most kind, decent guy you can imagine. You know, I, I have a lot of people who have said the same things to me about Jeff Sessions. Uh, you know, and you heard yeah, that a lot about and, Jeff Sessions. And I, and I have uh, to say, I've been around him, and um, I agree with that. Yeah. Um, and and I, yeah. my response to them is always been, that's how he's supposed to act, all right? You don't get, you know, I hate to quote Chris Rock again because I do it every show, but <laughs> you don't get a cookie for doing shit you're supposed to do. Right, right, you know? right, 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 right. I mean, right, yeah, right, and right. that's the way you're supposed to, you're supposed to be a decent person. You're supposed right. to act, you know, like you got some sense. You're supposed to do all these things. And so you don't get credit to me. For, for being a decent person over here and acting like a reasonable human being over here and in the halls of, you know, oh, in the hall, Jeff Session is so good. He's such a good guy and he'll talk to me and tell me funny jokes like the old possum that he is, uh, you know. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. and then do these really, really racist, shady things I over agree. here. And that to me is, uh, but I, even more so with, with Mo Brooks than, than uh, Sessions. Mo, I think, just went over the edge at some point. I think that he immersed himself in that bubble of things. Uh, and, and you know, maybe this was always who he was, and, and now the current climate is allowing him to be free and be himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I mean, he, he's nuts. I mean, he's he's legitimately crazy. And I... He is a poor representation of the, of the Huntsville area, um, you know, and, and that's just all there is to it. He's well, embarrassing them on a daily basis. Well, I, and I I agree that he uh, is um, he's the worst representative, congressional representative that I've had since I've been living in Huntsville. second to Steve King in in America. I would say okay, and I wouldn't I wouldn't dispute that. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't dispute that. Um, I just, I guess, again, and I don't, I, I agree 100% that we need to challenge mm-hmm. every single despicable, mm-hmm. disreputable thing that Mo or anybody else says. Mm-hmm. And we still haven't gotten to our right wing. <laughs> well, but, we'll get there. But, uh, but, but at the same time, I just think people are complicated. And so sometimes I yeah. think, and that's not to give them a pass. I know, I know, you know I know give that. Them a pass, yeah, no, but I'm I just know. saying, I think. You know, if you're gonna if we're gonna acknowledge if we're gonna acknowledge the the insanity, I mm-hmm. think we also got to acknowledge the 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 sanity, even though mm-hmm. the sanity does not mitigate the insanity, because the insanity yeah. does a hell of a lot of damage. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. not just to my feelings uh-huh. or something like that, but to actual the way society functions. Yeah, yeah, no, no, you're right, and 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 I understand exactly what you mean by people are complicated. You're right, and it's and it's hard to put people into a, into a small box all the time, which is what we tend to do a lot, and 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 you know, and and I'm guilty of it, like everybody else is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, we all do. It, it, we it, all do. It's a, at a point with me, it's just you know what you 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 don't have to act that way. You know, you don't. Yeah. You you yeah. know clearly that you're hurting people. Mm-hmm. You know clearly that the words you're saying are hurting people, and you don't care. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and that to me is inexcusable for I, anybody. I, I, I uh, I and, and, you know, and, it's, and I, I'll tell you, the, uh, I really, really have a disdain for Jeff Sessions because of the way that he reacted to some things and, the, and some things that he did 
that hurt kids, mm-hmm. uh, that hurt kids for generations. And he knew he was doing it. He did. He went about it to win cheap votes What's from racists. What's an example so people will know? Uh, well, there, there at one point was a, an equitable funding bill uh, mm-hmm. that was uh, going forward in this state. And mm-hmm. Jeff Sessions used his complete authority as attorney general. He was attorney general of the state of Alabama at that time mm-hmm. uh, to squash it, mm-hmm. uh, to, to keep it out, to keep it from happening, to keep it from moving forward. Uh, the thing had a lot of bipartisan support. And I think a lot of people at that point realized there was a real problem with funding of schools, uh, in predominantly black areas of this mm-hmm. state. Uh, and I- instead of going and, and, you know, and helping and, and allowing this to take place, Sessions chased cheap racist votes, mm-hmm. uh, and kept that from taking place. It would have changed schools and given a lot of kids opportunities that they have thus far been denied. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, he did it on purpose. He knew what he was doing. He chose to do it. People called it racist when it was happening. He knew it was racist, and he kept going with he it. Care. He, did, he did not care, and I, I think that's been his M.O. for years. Oh, yeah. It's the same yeah. thing he did with killing yeah. civil rights investigations sure. at, at police departments while he was AG of mm-hmm. the United States. All that is, is detrimental to mm-hmm. a lot of people, and there is not a police department in America who has gone under investigation and had been subjected to uh, DOJ fines and, uh, and guidelines and uh, changes who have, that have not been warranted. Not mm. one. You can't find me one place that has happened that has been unfair to them at all. Not I've one. I've never heard of one. No. And, there, and, there, and there have been some egregious things, yes. as we know. I mean, you know, probably the worst, my old hometown of Chicago, where mm-hmm. they were literally renditioning people and detaining them in black sites. Yes. Oh, well, and no. beating the hell out of them to get con, you know, the coerced confessions. That, the shooting of that kid in the street. Oh, Laquan McDonald. Oh, yes. Hell yeah. I mean, makes me angry. And makes and me very. What angry. makes me yeah. even more angry about that yeah. is the cover up that took place by people that on the uh, other That's other right. other police officers who, right. who saw it, who knew, who what, knew what was going on, That's and right. went around grabbing tapes and. That's stuff right. from people. That's right. You know, yeah. and it just uh, to to back up their brothers in blue. Yeah. You know, if you want to back up your brothers in blue, do the right thing. That's right. You know, right. that helps out a lot more than anything else. And That's right. oh man, we had these conversations after the killing of Greg Gunn in Montgomery, and I had these conversations with these cops down there, and there were uh, there were a group of guys that were exactly like those folks in Chicago, and there were a group of guys who were one hundred percent the other way. Good. And it you know Good. it just it, it kind of a great juxtaposition. But you know, on the backs of that. Heavy stuff. Uh, I will say your right wing nut of the week. <laughs> uh, Donald J. Trump, uh, who has begun his uh, reelection strategy uh, uh, to confuse people and and can try to take away and distract from his utter failure in this in this current crisis that's going on with coronavirus by starting the Obamagate nonsense. And apparently he has uh, a lackey in Bill Barr at, uh, as AG now who will go along with whatever he oh, wants yeah. to do. No uh, and no and yeah. Bill Barr, I, I predict uh, our kids will learn that Bill Barr is an awful human being. Uh, in in classes, that's how he will be viewed uh, in in high school and college classes for yeah. for all of time. Yeah. As he'll be an awful human being uh, that facilitated the rule of a moron. Mm. Uh, and so, but they've started this Obamagate nonsense now, and it. Uh, I guess uh, hopefully this will be the height of it this week with the unmasking of of Flynn nonsense that's mm. taking place. And so 
to give you a little bit of understanding of what's taking place, because I complained about this on, on Twitter and some other social media about media outlets not going far enough and explaining what unmasking means. Sure. And, and so people, because you hear it, unmasking of General Flynn, and it, it makes it seem as though these people were all in a, in a dark room somewhere, Obama and the Obama administration and James Clapper and Comey and all these folks are, were just over there, you know, having these secret meetings and trying to destroy Trump. Mm-hmm. What took place was General Flynn was on some recordings in which they had a FISA warrant to go and hear, all right? And the identities of these people are kept secret unless someone in the government uh, specifically requests to know what uh, the identities of the other people captured on warrant warrant conversations. Mm-hmm. So the conversations which are covered by a warrant there, you have, let's say you, you have a warrant to hear my conversation. I'm talking to David. Uh, some other people would like to know, well, wait a minute. Here's the, here's the things that are being said. Who is on the other end of this call? Right. Who, is who is this? Guy? Who is yeah. this person? So they didn't know it was General Flynn. Right. They didn't know who it was on the other end who was, who was having this conversation. They asked. Mm-hmm. Would you care to guess, David, how many unmasking requests there were in 2017 and 2018? Oh, I would imagine, um, what, hundreds? Oh, about 35,000 or so. 35? 35,000. Wow. Yes. That's how many requests came through. Wow. Uh, all of the all of them are not known to people. Some people are, are just generally on the request when it's sent. So you have a have a number of people who are listed on this request when that when it's sent because they're, on, they're part of a team uh, that would ordinarily see or review these sort of documents. And so they could be on it. So it is very possible uh, that Joe Biden at no point had any idea. That his name was, you know, or that, that these things happened. He certainly knew his name was on the list because his name was on all the list uh, for these things. It's, it's just, it's such nonsense, you know. And 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 here you have Flynn, who is admitted twice. Yeah. Who's admitted twice yeah. now to to lying to to FBI. Yeah. Yeah. And and the judge on that case mm-hmm. who, uh, who is not exactly a friend of the FBI look at his history mm-hmm. uh, there he is not a, a friend of these people at all mm-hmm. uh, ha- asked them after reviewing the evidence that only he got to see mm-hmm. from this thing did you ever consider treason yeah, for this guy right. yeah i remember that yeah. yeah yeah because that's how serious what he did was okay mm-hmm. so that's who you're protecting mm-hmm. the the lock him up guy that got locked up himself mm-hmm. uh, and so the, yeah, this is the same guy, if I'm remembering correctly, this is the same guy who was cavorting with Putin, right? Yeah, oh yeah, that's exactly yeah, that's documented, all. Yeah, documented, that, documented. And yeah. that's and see, that's the other part of this that, that's so mind boggling to me that mm-hmm. I and just kind of I guess demonstrates the the lack of attention span of Americans. None of this was secret. Yeah, Obama told Trump himself, Do "Listen, not. yeah, don't 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 mess with Flynn, man. Yeah. He's compromised." Yeah. He told him, yeah. and then Comey testified to it. It's, yeah. This has not been a secret at any point in time. So the idea now that you're you're uncovering these great uh, espionage secrets or whatever, these great spy games that were going on, it's so, it's so ludicrous that nobody, I don't even, anybody in your right mind, unless you're desperately wanting to believe it, would ever believe well, it. Well, here's here's the here's what Trump I think does well. He doesn't have any shame about lying. Mm-mm. And so what I think he does well is he takes whatever's out there. It, 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 there's an old axiom. I, I think um, it either it either was espoused by Carl Rove or Steve Bannon. I can't remember which one, but there's an old axiom that basically says you take your opponent's greatest strength mm-hmm. and you make it their greatest weakness. Mm-hmm. And so what Trump does is 
he is taking, in this case, he's sort of flipping it. He's taking one of his really obvious weaknesses, mm-hmm. Flint, mm-hmm. and his convictions. And he's decided that he's going to just blatantly, brazenly rewrite the history. And and after he wrote it to begin with, that's right. Yeah, he wrote, he wrote it. Go back and check with. the Twitter account. And and the thing that that really also plays to his advantage is there's so much stuff that you have to sift through mm-hmm. that this guy has generated so much ref, refuse, so much garbage yep. that it's easy to lose track. <laughs> you almost have to yes. annotate. Yeah, everything. Yep. Because if you don't, you're going to miss something or forget yeah. something. Yeah, you're right. It is. It's just. It, it, I, I thought a lot about how how Trump in his time. The one thing that he has proven is if you do one or two bad things, uh, you're in deep trouble. Mm-hmm. If you do thirty bad things, it's so many bad things people can't even keep up with it exactly. anymore. And you're complaining so much now that you're just piling on to the guy. You know what? You're just making things up now to pile onto it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, some of the things that he have done, that he's done, that we we don't even talk about. Some things, you know, that he's done that would have been major scandals. I mean, just the hotel deal alone. I mean, if Obama had a hotel in D.C. Yeah. that people were staying at, we, it would be all over Fox News every single night about how much money we've spent, how much federal dollars are going to do the Obama's hotel, That's and right. we don't even talk about it. And the Secret Service, yes. how much money. Is paid, uh, you know, is the, how much money is paid based, you know, for them to do what they do, how much that costs the American yeah. taxpayer, you know, for not just Trump, mm-hmm. you know, and his many golf trips. Yeah. You know, and for the, the right, but for the children, kids as well, right, for yeah. the children, uh, you, know? Yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's a scandal that, um, is like you said, though, it's lost in the, in the weeds of so many other scandals. It's just, it's crazy, man. It really is. But uh, anyway, that's our, that's our right wing note of the week. Yeah. And, um, as far as I'm concerned, that's our show. That's, I, mean, I thought we had a good one. We did. Yeah. We did. The conversation with John Meredith was, was, I think, very illuminating. I hope that more Republicans, mm-hmm. and like he said, there are a lot of good people in the Republican Party. I, I know some Republicans that I think are good people. Mm-hmm. I hope and pray that they will that they will listen and think about what John is saying. Walk away. Just walk away. Yep. All right. That's uh, that's it for this week. See you guys next week. Take it easy.